My little son, who's four years old, comes to me when I get home at night and says, like, Dad, help me with my uh, drawing or help me with my letters because he's excited. Children love to learn. And in, and in homeschooling, you're able to amplify that. And in a system that is big as the public school system, that just they just kill it. And it's not the teacher's fault. It's the system. We love teachers, and we want the system to work for them and our students, not the other way around. All right, dads, there's no question that today's environment with COVID um, has caused a huge disruption in the education of our children, Um, especially if your kids are involved and enrolled in public school. Um, It's completely up in the air and it's complete chaos right now. Um, That's why I wanted to have Robert Bortons on the podcast. He is the CEO of Classical Conversations, a large homeschool um, organization that, that has curriculum and a community um, for homeschoolers, and he talks about um, all the spike in interest that they've gotten, and some other things around education and and how it pertains to the landscape today. So, lots of good stuff from Robert. Uh, let's jump into the episode today on the podcast. We have Robert Bortons, who is the CEO of Classical Conversations. And what is Classical Conversations? You probably ask. We'll definitely have Robert explain to us. But it is a homeschooling curriculum and process for in classical education and he's he was a home homeschooler and was homeschooled and is a homeschooler and now is is helping um families navigate the their journey in in classical education robert thanks for being on the show thanks michael looking forward to it and um just excited about being able to help so many new families homeschooling during this time of covid and hopefully give them a great experience so that after this little experiment that we're all on, that they'll continue to do so and do so with confidence. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely, especially in the education space is an interesting time with all this COVID stuff. Hey, I I was wondering if, could you give people a background on what Classical Conversation is and how it came about for context? Yeah, I think it's really a, a little story and we'll start before Classical Conversations was even invented. My mom and my dad met in college. Uh, they were aerospace engineers at the University of Michigan, and then were working on a NASA project together. And my mom is nine years younger than my dad. And so he just knew how to study and knew how to do things that she didn't know how to do. And so she was wondering why that she got this great education, but it was different than this man that she married that was nine years older than her. And so she was. She decided really at that point when I was born to homeschool. It was still illegal in many states to homeschool. She wasn't a Christian at that time, and so it was actually homeschoolers that uh, brought her to Christ. But yeah, so she just decided to homeschool, and just like anyone, didn't really know what to do. There wasn't a lot of resources in the uh, mid-80s and early 90s, and she was involved in community setting up co-ops and starting sports clubs and leagues and all of those type of things and I was getting ready to go to high school and a lot of our friends who were homeschooling with us didn't feel comfortable homeschooling in high school what about getting into college how do you get scholarships and just how do I teach calculus these hard subjects that parents today still have these same questions And she said, if I help you homeschool through high school, will you continue to homeschool? And they said, yes, we want to continue to homeschool. We're just not sure how to do it. And so that first year, 1997, in our family's basement, there was 10 other students and myself started in what is now known as Classical Conversations. Since then, 
I graduated from high school. I went to Clemson University and got an industrial engineering degree. Midway through my sophomore year, I got a call from my mom saying that dad was thinking about buying me a new car because I didn't have one. But instead, he quit his job because she was going to try to make classical conversations a real thing and that they were not going to help me with any more college expenses. And good luck. I was on my own. (laughs) (laughs) That's a heck of a call to get. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks, mom. So I went to the co-op office, which is like an internship, but you do it multiple times. And I actually got the highest paying co-op job there was. And it was at with Johnson, one of their subsidiaries. And it was because in high school, when I was homeschooling, I knew that I wanted to be an engineer. And so I actually had two years of engineering experience on my resume because I volunteered and I worked and ended up getting a job with a local engineering company. So during the school year, I was able to work one or two days a week because I did my school at night. And then during the summer, of course, I worked full time. So I had a full resume versus my peers in college who are applying for the same job all had a GPA and that allowed me to stand out. And then after graduation, I just excelled in the kind of corporate world, working for Fortune 50 companies and working for mom and pops. And I loved being homeschooled. And I had the opportunity that my mom did create a business. And so in 2012, I had an opportunity of coming back and working with classical conversations and transitioning into the CEO role. And so now I run day-to-day operations. uh, And in 2012, when I came on, we were in about 40 states with about 40,000 students. And we should be well over 100,000 students this year and in over 45 countries. So we've been really growing internationally and focusing on that international growth because like we were in the 80s and early 90s where there wasn't any curriculum, homeschooling is exploding internationally and there's not any curriculum. And we want to support those families like we do here in the United States. We want to do that abroad as well. That's awesome. No, thanks for that story because that really sets the context for where you guys are at in the journey and everything. Now, classical conversations, what does that mean? You guys aren't like homeschool incorporated. It's what the heck does classical conversations even mean? Yeah. The classical for us is a methodology more than it is about the material you're reading. So we're going to read great material, but it's about grammar, dialectic, and rhetoric, which is how you learn anything. And I just The grammar isn't like grammar of English, but it could be the grammar of anything. So think about sports. I love this Michael Jordan analogy. For basketball, the grammar of basketball might be dribbling. And the dialectic or logic stage is being able to run a play, run a scrimmage and practice. And the rhetoric stage is playing in a game, hitting the winning three-pointer, just being able to express yourself well. And so Michael Jordan was asked by a reporter – can I come watch you practice? Because Michael Jordan was just known, he's the best NBA player, and he was known for his practices. And Jordan goes, yeah, meet me at 5 a.m., come on down, and I'll be happy to talk to you, and you can watch me practice. So the reporter wakes up early, gets all of his stuff, gets there at 5 a.m., and there's Jordan, just covered in sweat. And the reporter's like, you told me to get here at 5 to watch you practice. He goes, yeah, but I decided to get here at 4 so I could practice dribbling for an hour. And so Jordan, the greatest basketball player ever, some would argue, is still practicing the grammar of basketball at the height of his career. And so just it's 
foreign words to the moderns, but when you break it down like that, it's really just how you learn to do anything. If you've coached sports or music, you know exactly what the classical model is because it's how you teach new players to become good. And it's those same steps, but we really break it down and define it through an educational lens. And then conversation. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, so you're saying if you've done those things like coaching uh, sports or taught music, the classical. So what I heard you say was it's breaking it down to what are the fundamentals, the the grammar, so to speak, of whatever activity that is or whatever subject that is. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah. So if you think about it, like the fundamentals and then in coaching, you a lot of times you coach in practice, you have games or you do drills. And if you think about you're putting the multiple fundamentals together. And so that would be what we call the dialectic or logic stage, uh, which is typically in middle school. And then the rhetoric stage is playing the game or even coaching it later on. Gotcha. Yep. And the conversations part is if you're going to homeschool in high school, you don't want to only have your mom to debate with. (laughs) (laughs) If you're a parent, you know, you don't want to have be the only person always arguing with your kid. And we get together in community typically with a trained tutor who's also a parent and up to uh, 12 students total. And so we're going to go through the six subjects and have a conversation about them weekly. Because when you have a conversation, no matter where you are, if you're an expert, you can have a conversation with the novice. And if everyone's going to bring their own perspective to the conversation, it makes us all stronger. So that's Classical is the methodology and conversation is really how we're going to interact with each other in community. Gotcha. No, it's a really interesting model. I think my immediately thought of that second part with the conversations is like that is that's what's missing in our education today so much. It's pretty apparent that it's hard for people to have, I shouldn't say educated, civil conversations, especially about things that they, they disagree with, which that's been the biggest source of my learning mm-hmm. talking with like you said a novice with a with an expert or something that's where you that's where you're actually doing the learning right because you're throwing out ideas they're challenging you there there's this constant back and forth and it's, that just doesn't seem to happen today no i think we see it unfortunately with the cancel culture around us and just i think social media is definitely amplified what they call the echo chamber And we're not sitting down face-to-face with people who may not have the same perspective as us and having an open conversation where we're really seeking to find out what truth is. And part of the problem that we see in society today is we don't believe in absolute truth as a society anymore. We believe in your truth or my truth. And if we all have our own truth, then it's very difficult to come together and try to find out what absolute truth is. And of course, it's always going to be difficult if we don't have a common ground that we're trying to find. Because if my truth's true and your truth's true, then we both can yell at each other till we're blue in the face. And so classical education believes that there is truth, beauty, and goodness, and that those are all things we should seek out. And that, yeah, we might not all end up agreeing on what those things are, but we should all be able to have a conversation with people who disagree because we should all be seeking to move closer to knowing what those three things are. Yeah, that brings us to this perfect storm that you have this COVID pandemic, you have a complete disaster of the education system that was already culminating into this like lack of truth. Now, all suddenly schools aren't opening, people are trying to take education into their own hands, they're forced that way. And now but 
I believe it's causing people's eyes to be open to, oh, this is the education of my child. This is, I should be, maybe I should be embracing this more or I should be asking questions of what are they getting educated with. It was this weird transition from, oh, we're really concerned about childcare was the first thing, at least what I observed, which is a legitimate concern if you have two working parents. But then it went, it, I think it's transitioned to, okay, now what am I going to do to actually educate my child? And how can I start to take up some of that responsibility? So I'm interested to hear what you guys have seen as you're probably getting more and more inquiries about this. And it's probably coming up against someone saying, Hey, I got to do something homeschooling. They're Googling. They come up against, they come up with classical conversations. Maybe they're Someone's tracking with all of the things that you guys are putting out there. Yeah, it sounds interesting, but it doesn't necessarily jive with some of the <laughs> thinking or maybe the way that others have approached education. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah. So the modern way of education just ignores almost the grammar stage and just talks about being able to really just learn to the test because that's what they – prioritize. And so when they come to us right now is typically we have a well-educated person that is researched the different homeschool models, um, not well-educated in the sense of they might have a high school degree, but that they've been researching homeschooling methodologies. Now we have families like, I got a homeschool. I can't put my kids into this situation. What the heck do you do? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we're having a little bit longer conversations with them just explaining what the classical model is and how classical conversations works just because they haven't educated themselves on the homeschooling products as much. But we're seeing parents really, like you mentioned, their eyes are opened to what their kids are learning or aren't learning in many cases and that they're taking really this opportunity, whether it's one year. We all, A lot of homeschoolers start out one year at a time. And that's fine um, because you're going to have a lot of advantages that you're going to give your kid by just doing it for one year. But, yeah, we're seeing about eight times as many leads come in per day as we normally do this time of year. Wow. So our goal for the third quarter was to have 8,000 leads come through our website. We hit that number in July. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's going big. June was humongous. I think in the month of June, we got more leads than we got in the first four months last year. So wow. it's just been a tremendous surge. I saw a report yesterday that 81% of parents are considering not sending them their kids to school this year, and 25% said they're definitely going to homeschool. Which, if there's about 2 million homeschoolers, and that's about 5%, if 25% are adding to, that's going to put us around 10 to 12 million possibly homeschoolers this year. And next year, a lot of them aren't going to go back. They're going to continue to homeschool. So it's mm -hmm. going to really change the face of education for the good, I believe, here in America. And uh, Classical Conversations is happy to be a part of that. And even if you are homeschooling and not using Classical Conversations, you can actually go to parentpracticum.com, and we've got a free educational training for parents. It's uh, YouTube videos. Usually we do them live across the country, but since obviously we couldn't do live events because of COVID, we had our main speaker filmed, and, and we did that. So if you're new to homeschooling, whether you're in CC or not, or just a parent who wants to know about education, 
in a deeper manner because you want to help your kids in public or private school, you can go to parentpracticum.com and check out those videos for free. Yeah, that's awesome. We'll definitely link that up into the show notes. And I think that's a great resource because I, I would assume that most homeschoolers, they're just, they're looking for a plan, right? Is that they're coming to you guys and it's, they have no idea. Like you said, I don't know what the heck I'm supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. And that's the great thing about classical conversations is we're actually going to partner you as a homeschooling family with a local community. So there's going to be someone who's been homeschooling for maybe five years, 10 years, 20 years. That's going to help you walk through your curriculum on a weekly basis. And so that's what we do at Classical Conversations because homeschooling is doable, but it is hard. And there's good days and there's bad days. And you need a strong group of friends around you um, to help you through those hard days and for you to encourage on those good days. And so that's really what the differentiating factor is for Classical Conversations is we're going to connect you with a local community that's doing that same curriculum with you. Classical Conversations have been doing this for over 20 years. All of our best information of, of homeschooling has gone into this. I mean, we're really homeschoolers for homeschoolers, where a lot of people in the homeschool space might be private schools or even publicly traded companies who are happy to sell homeschoolers a product, but they're not walking the walk. And they're not talking the talk. And we're I'm in there with you. My daughter is a foundation student, which is she's going to be in first grade this year. And so the curriculum you're doing at home is the same curriculum I'm going to be doing with my own daughter. And I don't know many companies that can say that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I 100% believe that. And I think that is, that's a strong selling point, in my opinion. It, you're saying, hey, I'm eating my own dog food, so to yeah. speak. <laughs> Not to yeah, say you wouldn't go to. <laughs> yeah, one of the things we always say is, if you went to the Ford dealership and all their salespeople were driving Chevrolets, you'd you'd get back in your car and right and go to the Chevy <laughs> dealership because that's where the best cars are. And so, if our curriculum isn't good enough for the people who work at Classical Conversations, uh, for the CEO, for my own kids, why would I suggest any other family do that curriculum? And we want to offer you the best and know that we're doing it with you. This is the curriculum that. My brothers were educated with and I was educated with in high school and the Lord willing, my great grandchildren will be educated with. Yeah, no, I think it's great. I, it's interesting to see, there's a couple of people that I follow online and there's this trend of like micro schools, which are, so there's a spectrum now emerging of anywhere from like private schools all the way to the single loan homeschooler. And mm -hmm. then, so classical conversation sits in that spectrum. But the interesting thing is these micro schools are like basically a group of families are saying, hey, we're going to pay for a, a teacher to come teach our 10 kids or 10 families or something. What I hear you describe is it, that's kind of the community that Classical Conversation has to some degree, but it's not a complete outsourcing. It's a partnership, right? Where these micro schools are saying, hey, we're basically outsourcing our homeschooling. I, I see that as a net positive, even a step like that, because to me, the, the essence of homeschooling and what I hear you say is it's an ownership of your child's education and yeah. you're saying you're taking ownership of that and then you're also involved in that and then you're partnering with other people to maybe offer some level of dynamic that you can't offer as a home a lone homeschooler so what do you see as some of those trends that are happening or what do you think is going to transpire over the next like six to 12 months you said there'll probably be a year of homeschoolers and then a, a portion of those will stay on what other things are you guys seeing or do you predict that will happen yeah i think there's going to be a big movement to school choice 
which has its pros and cons. Anytime you take government money, you're going to have to worry about the government telling you how to use it. And so I worry about uh, curriculum autonomy in some of those situations. But if you think about these uh, micro schools, which I think are wonderful, especially when they're privately financed or even maybe uh, big business will start financing some of these micro schools for their uh, lower income employees. That would be awesome. A great benefit Mm -hmm. is that the parents are still involved. They're picking the teacher. The more involved you are in something, the more you're going to care about it, right? If if you have 0% of your time involved in something, you're not going to care about it too much. But if you're spending consistent time in it, it's something that's going to get better because you have your eye on it. And no one knows your children as well as you do. And so I think the micro-schooling is going to continue. It's really interesting. Also, the online schooling, I think people are seeing – that there are some benefits to it, but then you're still got that disconnection. It's always funny with this. What about socialization? We had to hear for, for homeschoolers. And obviously there's no science that backs that question up. All the science shows that homeschoolers are actually more socialized than those who go into public or private school. But now all these people are sitting at home on their laptops. And so I think people are realizing you can't educate as well with that you need that human interaction and i also think that so online learning has its place but not especially in the younger ages so that's going to be real difficult i think the school choice movement's going to be a big movement because if you can get the average education for public school i think in this country they spend about fourteen thousand dollars per student in this country in public school per student so If you just took $14,000 and gave it to 10 families and each of those families – and those 10 families came together with a teacher, they could pay that teacher $140,000 a year. Of course, that teacher is going to need to pay for her own insurance and own curriculum and all that type of stuff. But that's a lot more than teachers are making now. And then you don't have these school buildings. Those aren't green. Buses, they aren't green. right? These things are destroying our environment if you believe in that type of stuff. So I really see that we're going to see more school choice in some form or another, hopefully through just parents making more informed choices about this for their family. I think we'll see a lot more pushback on some of these radical agendas that are being thrown to our schools. I think we see that in the riots now Mm. that people don't know our history. They aren't patriotic. And yeah, history has good parts and bad parts, but When the founding fathers said to form a more perfect union, that indicated something that was going to be worked on and take time. And I think that's something that the United States hasn't been perfect, but we have been working on a more perfect union. And we've made sacrifices throughout the years to make that happen. And so you can't learn about history. If you don't learn about history, you're doomed to repeat it. And so I think um, learning the good, bad, and ugly about our history is going to be vital uh, to the future so that we can make improvements. Our education, our reading in the United States, we used to have 90% of Americans were literate. Now it's less than 25% as far as being able to sit down and read a book. Not literate in this point of going to McDonald's and being able mm-hmm. to read the menu to order, mm-hmm. but being able to sit down and read and comprehend a book that less than 25 percent yeah in about 60 years since wow since the 50s and 60s that's Um, depressing yep and people aren't taught to think they're 
the still school system the way that's designed now is for the factory because they have to have they have to treat everyone the same they have to really the resources aren't there to be able to give everyone a unique education and so if you're ahead or behind or in the middle it doesn't really matter and you just get pushed through and pushed through someone told me the other day that North Carolina is changing a 60% to a C. So if you score a 60 on a test in North Carolina, that'll be a C in the future, which just says great inflation. It's just terrible. I always uh, like to tell the story. I was at a basketball game, sitting next to a dad who knew I was, who I homeschooled. He had an older daughter and a younger son, and he said his older daughter just got a job at uh, a fast food restaurant and her first day she was a cashier and she came home crying she's a straight a student and she said so why are you crying he's like you know how we make fun of those people who can't make change that work the cash register today i couldn't make change so she was a straight a student in math but was unable to make that simple change hey you gave it was 493 you gave me five dollars i owe you seven cents back she wasn't able to do that simple math um, just being a straight-A student, and he just – that opened his eyes that these grades – he was looking at this uh, report and saying, oh, my daughter is good at math. And his eyes were opened, and her eyes were opened that they were being lied to by the educational establishment. Yeah. And it, that whole t- – to me, that conversation, it's it, – what you said, it, it, it's a factory – it's a factory for a number of reasons. You have a mass of people and you're trying to design to educate a mass number of people with a probably very high student to teacher ratio. And it's been, like you said, it's been 60 years. So that's evolved, but it hasn't really evolved to actually do what it's supposed to do. It's just, I think, tried to get more efficient, but it's actually gotten more bloated with some more higher admin costs. As you, I've heard that same stat with a 15K per student, which is just blows my mind. But it's kind of, it's kind of, okay, let's at least have a conversation about what the state of things is. Let's not get into, let's just root it in the facts and let's talk about where we're at and let's talk about those stats of the reading levels and let's say, okay, what, why is that the case? What, how do we improve this? What, how did we get here? My theory is some, a couple of things. First of all, it's not the teacher's fault. Let me just say that right now. Mm-hmm. My wife was a middle school teacher for eight years. She saw anywhere between two and 300 students a day. It doesn't matter how big your heart is. Superman couldn't educate two to 300 people a day. And so the system is just failing our students. But part of the problem with that whole conversation part that you're saying is anytime you say anything about the public school system is they say, oh, you're attacking teachers. So I always like to say, no, teachers are heroes and we should not put them in this situation that we've put them in as a society so let's talk about how we can make teachers jobs doable and so i think and the second thing is what i mentioned earlier is that the more engaged you are in something the better outcomes you will see and we know this in business even arnie duncan who was head of education under obama said the more that parents are involved the better education the kids will get But the public school system is not designed for the parents to be involved. It's actually designed to kick them out. If you are a parent and your kid was struggling in math 
and you wanted to take a day off of work and sit with them in their math class to see what they were learning and what the teacher was doing, you think the public schools would say, yes, please come in. That would be awesome. Guess what? It's illegal. <laughs> you are not <laughs> allowed to, as a parent, come in and sit in your student's math class with them if they're struggling with math because you want to be able to help them with homework. That's crazy. How ridiculous is that? Yeah. So the system, instead of bringing parents in, which they recognize is the key to success, pushes them out. And so that's why homeschooling is so impactful. And the statistics show it doesn't matter if you have a middle school education as a parent, a high school education, a college education, you got a master's or a PhD. The results are the same. Your kids will score 81 percent above national average, whether you're a middle school graduate in, in homeschooling a high schooler or you got a PhD. The statistics are amazing how tight that window is. And so if parents are involved and they give the children a love of learning instead of, oh, I hate doing homework. My little son, who's four years old, comes to me when I get home at night and he's like, dad, help me with my uh, drawing or help me with my letters because he's excited. Children love to learn. And in and in homeschooling, you're able to amplify that. And in a system that is big as the public school system, that just they just kill it. And it's not the teacher's fault. It's the system. We love teachers, and we want the system to work for them and our students, not the other way around. Yeah, I think that could, I couldn't say that better. I think that the, the analogy that came to my head was like, look at food. Look at when you try to mass produce food, you get Twinkies. It's like <laughs> when you do food really well, it's like the best tasting food is when you grow strawberries in your backyard and it's you pick it right when it's right. Yep. Maybe that's a bad analogy, but it's like when you try to mass produce anything, usually the quality goes down. You know? well, that's the thing. We act as if it's a machine and yeah, you, you put this on and then you can put that on and then you've got an end product with education. That light bulb moment can happen at any time. And for some kids, it's in it might be in third grade and some in fifth, some at the beginning of the year, some at the end of the year. And that's what we call Pentecost in classical education. And sometimes that might be a senior. We teach Latin at classical conversations. And our chief academic officer is actually was also one of our directors of a local community of Challenge 4, which is our senior level. And she had a there's a student who had been uh, in Latin for four years with us, had not taken it seriously, had not done what he ought to have done. And he decided that he wanted to go into ministry and become a pastor. And at that moment, he realized that he needed to learn Latin <laughs> <laughs> and that he had wait, you know, and that he had not done uh, what he would have wanted to do if he had been able to capture that time back. And she wisely let him know, yeah, we can't give those three years back, but we have this year. And I bet you more than you think, especially if you apply yourself to it. And he did great that year even. So he went from being a, just a participant in the class to be a leader in the class because he had that Pentecost moment and realized why this was important to him. And you can't force that. I mean, we act, oh, another year's passed, so this person is going to now be here. And it's just not the case. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, Robert, thank you so much for being on, and I, I appreciate your insights, and I love what you guys are doing, and it's exciting to see the, the increased interest in what you guys are doing, and it's, I think, a silver lining in all of this crazy mess is that 
more parents will be more involved with the education of their children, which I think is a net positive in society. Yeah, yep, I think so too. And I love seeing grandparents involved as well. It's just been a wonderful time. Uh, through all this hectic, hecticness, it's just, I think, a benefit uh, to society in the long run to have these kids at home with their families. Yeah. Thanks, Robert. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Two Cent Dad podcast and for taking your role as a father seriously and investing in your family. This show is made possible, supported by EC Group. Um, EC Group has been scaling software teams since 1999. You can learn more at ecteams.com. As always, any feedback or suggestions or critiques um, for the show, maybe a potential guest, um, email me, mike at twocentdad.com. And to be sure that you never miss any great content that goes out, whether it's a podcast episode or anything else, then you have to get on the email list. And you can do that at twocentdad.com. Until next time, I'm your host, Mike Sudik, signing off.